actual notes. It's kind of more like I got up this morning early and just scribbled some stuff, tried to think, how do I bring this together? We've had two days talking and pretty much reading the whole of the Bible um, together. Um, No, not actually, but it seemed like it at times. um, Just pulling apart, um, you know, parts of the Bible that, that... Focus on this theme that we want to bring to you today, and this theme is um, the priesthood, the idea of a royal priesthood of God. Um, often in, in Baptist circles, but in the church more broadly, we talk about the royal priesthood of all believers, and that's 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 who we are. That's who you are, whether you're an older person here or whether you're the youngest person in the room. You are, as you follow Jesus, for those of us who follow Jesus and have given ourselves to Him, you are. The royal priesthood of God, that, that is what we are. That is your identity. That is our identity. That's who we are. And that also tells us um, what we are about. So we want to, we want to explore this idea. Um, we have done that as an eldership, just begun to, to sort of tease that out a little bit, and there's so, so, so much more. So we're thinking that we're going to start the year just with a little bit of a series, really, just unpacking some of the gems. Um, and there'll be plenty more as well um, that we we found as we entered into this theme on Thursday, Friday, just this last week. So I wonder how you would describe who we are. What other biblical ideas um, or images might come to mind? Or how would you describe who you are as a believer, as a follower of, of Jesus, a follower of God? You might, you might think first, children of God. I'm a child of God. You might think, well, I'm a Christian. Um, but even with those two ideas, they, they, they also connect with this theme of, of a priesthood, of someone who represents God and who represents people, ourselves, and the world back to God as well. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to just briefly introduce this idea. I've got a video that I'm going to play, and we're just going to tease this out a little bit more, and then Vaughan, Wendy, and Al, they're going to share one or two things that have stood out to them the most, and try to be fairly brief. Um, so Genesis 1, that's, that's where you start in the Bible when you open it up, Genesis chapter 1, and right from the beginning, you get this idea of, of, a, of the priesthood that is humanity, humankind, Adam and Eve, were created by God. It doesn't use the word priests. Um, but if you really look into it and if you study, you'll see that all of the imagery that is used to describe these people, the first human beings who God made, it's imagery that is um, indicative or emblematic of priests, people who serve in the holy space that is, or that was the Garden of Eden in God's presence and who were blessed and commissioned by God to go out and to, to bless as well. The words that are used there, rule, govern, um, and things like that. Made in the image of God to represent God to the world, and so on. Anyway, and as you run through the Bible, all through the Bible, there's echoes of these themes. And I, and I was just, as we were singing, I just turned, I just literally just opened my book to wherever it, my Bible to wherever it might land, and I look at Ephesians chapter 4, just out of nowhere, and, and I say, wow, this imagery of, of the priests who are made in God's image, created to be like God, it says, 4 verse 24, 
Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. It's just me just opening up my Bible anywhere. And all through the Bible we have these, this, this description of humanity, of humankind, designed, created, destined to be the image bearers. People who reflect God into the world and reflect God's ways. Who of you kids, how many of you kids have tried this at home or maybe out in the garden? See, so I, I, um, the message didn't get through um, this morning. I, see, I sent a quick text to Juliet, but she, in her business, didn't, I don't think so. But Daniel, can, can you tell Daniel to bring his magnifying glass to church? So, so instead, I've just got a glass. Um, but, but if you want to volunteer your glasses... You, that, that would work as well if you've got a good, strong pair of glasses. I wonder how many of you kids know, I'm sure you, probably all of you know, what would happen if I took a lens, like a pair of glasses or a magnifying glass, and I just put it over this basket of dry paper and um, leaves and things like that. You know, what would happen Ashley, you're, you're, you're looking in nice and closely. What do you think would happen if we, if we took the sun's Rays and we magnified them through this lens onto this dry pile of, of stuff here. Do you know what would happen? Have you gone to sleep? Does Asher sleep with his eyes open sometimes? <laughs> I can see your hand. Daniel, come on, call it out. It would start to burn, wouldn't it? You might start to see some smoke. Have you tried this at home? I think you have, eh? It would start to smoke. <laughs> yes. Did you ask mum or dad first? No. Oh, there's trouble. So you don't want to do this right now because it's really hot and dry out there, isn't it? It was 34 degrees as we were driving home yesterday. You know, it's just yellow. The grass is yellow. But if you, if you run, if you allow the sun's rays to go through a lens like this, you're going to catch the, eventually this stuff is going to catch on fire, isn't it? So I'll pick up the lens. As, as priests, the idea of priests, I want to suggest, is a little bit like that as well. We're, we're like a lens through which God's light shines. Not to make things go on fire, Daniel, um, or anyone else. That's not the point. But the point is to reflect and, um, and to show, to highlight God's ways, God's righteousness and justice and beauty in God's ways. So a little bit like that. A little bit like a lens um, <clears throat> to serve, to reflect, um, to extend God's ways, blessings into the world. So, our identity as priests is a bit like that. And at this point, I thought it would be cool just to, sh- to play a video that will pick this up um, some more and, and, and tease this out how in the Bible this fits in. So Elias, I wonder if you can play. This is like a five-minute video from the Bible Project. Some of you might have seen it before or seen something like it. Just, just watch and enjoy. They're generally pretty fast. So just try to take in even just one idea that stands out to you the most. The important place as was the tabernacle. Whoa. The tabernacle was a sacred tent that the Israelites carried as they journeyed to the promised land. And it was sacred because it's where the heavenly presence of Israel's God lived on earth. And the tabernacle had an important design to show just how special it was. There's the outer courtyard, then an entry room into the tent, and it leads into the center of the tabernacle, the Holy of Holies. 
God's personal throne room, and it's guarded by these heavenly hybrid creatures called cherubim. Notice, the closer that you get to the center, the more sacred the space becomes. The people who work in the tabernacle are called priests, and they care for the sacred space, offer sacrifices on behalf of Israel, and announce God's blessing over the people. Yeah, these priests represent God to the people, and they represent the people to God. So think of both the tabernacle and the priests who work in it like gateways that link together heaven and earth. And this is why the tabernacle was eventually brought up to settle on a mountain, because mountains are where earth meets heaven. Now, one thing that's missing in this tabernacle that you would find in every other ancient holy space are idol images that physically represent the God. Oh, right. Israel's God explicitly commanded them to not make any idol images. And that's because in the Bible, all humanity is God's image. This is what we learn in the first pages of the Bible, where Adam and Eve, in Hebrew their names mean human and life, they're called God's image, which means they represent God in his holy space. And that holy space is a garden in a land called Eden. Yes, and the story is designed to show that Eden is the reality that the later tabernacle symbolized and pointed back to. For example, look close at the descriptions of Eden. There's the larger region on the land that's called Eden, but then within Eden, God plants a garden. And then in the center of that garden, God plants the tree of life. The design of Eden matches the tabernacle design. Yes, and there are details in the Eden story that are developed much later in the Bible showing how Eden is on a high mountain. Because they're in a place where earth meets heaven. Exactly. And God tells these humans to work and to keep the garden. These are the same words that are used later in the Bible to describe what priests do in the tabernacle. So Adam and Eve are God's image and are like priests working and worshiping in a type of heaven on earth temple. Yes, they represent creation before God, and as God's image, they represent God to all of creation. And they do all of this in this sacred space that's saturated with the life and presence of God. And so God tells them to rule creation on his behalf. They're like priests who embody God's heavenly wisdom and rule here on earth. You could call them royal priests. Exactly. Now, this whole setup, the royal priests in God's presence where there's abundance and life, in the book of Genesis, this is called God's blessing. But it doesn't last very long. No. Humanity is deceived by this rebellious creature. They're unsatisfied with being images of God, and so they make a grab at being God, ruling creation on their own terms. And so God exiles them from the garden. And God places cherubim at the door of Eden to guard the way back in. This is tragic. Humanity has given up the role God made them for. But it's not the end. The rest of the biblical story is about God's mission to undo this tragedy so that humans can regain access to the heaven on earth place where they can finally become God's royal priests. It all begins with a promise that God makes to Adam and Eve that he will raise up one of their descendants to rule over and defeat that deceiver. God says that this coming descendant will strike the head of that deceiver, but also be struck by it. So this priestly figure will restore God's blessing by offering up his own life like a sacrifice. But this is still just a promise. Yes. And so in the next story, we find the next generation outside of Eden. 
Two brothers at the door of the garden are offering sacrifices to God, kind of like priests. Maybe God will accept these offerings and they can get back into Eden. But sadly, one brother, Cain, gets angry because God favors his brother Abel's sacrifice. And so Cain murders his own brother. Then Cain is exiled even further from Eden and from God's blessing. And over time, Cain's anger plunges humanity into widespread violence. Humans really need that coming royal priest to rescue them. Yes, and that's the hope that this whole story is designed to generate. And so in the next few videos, we're going to explore the theme of this coming royal priest throughout the story of the Bible. We're going to see how the stories of Abraham and Moses and David all point forward to Jesus, who is the ultimate royal priest. Jesus, the one who will restore the blessings of Eden. So that all humanity can become the royal priests that we're made to be, ruling the world together on God's behalf. Awesome. Thank you, Elias. If you could go back to that original PowerPoint, that would be cool. So who's the ultimate royal priest? Who's the ultimate Jesus? Who's the ultimate son um, representative of God, and obviously who's God himself is Jesus, yeah. So as an, as an eldership, we got together, and let me just find out where we are, where, okay. We are at the end of my PowerPoint, and I want to go back. And so as an eldership, we, we, we're talking together about this theme, and we're looking through the Bible at, at all, all of um, what connects, how this connects and what this means. We're trying to find a language that would help us to relate because we don't often talk about priests and priesthood, priesthoods today, do we? So we're thinking like you know, image bearers, ambassadors, like someone who goes from one country and represents their country to another, helpers, partners with God, you know, people who reflect God's image, sons and daughters. These are all words that kind of help to express this idea of what a priesthood is and means. So we were thinking about this, the, the four of us, and, and we, we boiled it down to four main themes that sh, which we hope will help to guide um, and shape our focus and our direction as a church this year. Um, that will help to focus and to guide our energy um, and our, our direction our attention as a church, not to not to bring any great change, but to hone our focus in on what it really means to be the people of God, to be Christians, to be people who are seeking to represent God to each other and to the world around us. So these are the four themes that, that we used. And actually each each elder had the homework of preparing a session um, on one of these themes. And so we went through this um, over these last, this was what was our structure the last few days. One, the royal priesthood involves a personal call. It's a personal call for each individual. It's a personal call for you, Brent. It's a personal call for you, Bob. It's a personal call for you, Asher, down there as well, to represent God. You've been made in God's image. And, and when we look at you, we should see something of God in you as God's light reflects to us through you. And that's true for all of us who are here today as well. That's cool, eh? It's pretty cool. Um, so identity, our inner walk, our inner discipleship 
and walk with God. The personal call. Secondly, um, it's about representing God to each other. Like I just said, um, you know, once once we have the, embraced the personal call, then it begins to emanate out and reflect out to our, our church community as well. Thirdly, uh, and so so there that, that helps us to think about things, encourages us to, encourages us to think about things like our our preaching and our teaching, um, using our gifts. We've all been gifted by God to reflect um, God in some way. Um, Small groups, mentoring and encouraging one another in the faith. It makes me think about, gets me thinking about pathfinders and, and the youth group and, and all these types of things as well. It involves representing each other in the world. Think of Timaru, think of the places where you live, work and play, the people who you know um, down your, across the road or down the street. It involves reflecting all of these people and these things back to God as well. So we're talking about prayer, intercession and prayer um, and these types of things. Um, And then lastly, we talked about representing God to the world. So all of those places, your neighbourhood, where you live and work and play, your school, um, university, all these places... um, we, we are called as priests to represent God into those places too so that others might see um, something of what God is like and be drawn to him. So that's, those were the four themes that we, we talked about as an eldership and those are the four themes that we think um, will be worthwhile as a church, us mm, beginning to explore and to, and to, to press our, our minds and our thoughts into. And, and I guess we, we just... We want to invite you to come on a journey with us as a church to um, just to begin to dwell on these themes and to and to think about them, to pray about them, and to tell us what you hear and see, um, so that together as a church we are we're seeking to live more faithfully, um, live out our identity as as the priests who God has made. So, elders Vaughan, Wendy. Now, do you want to come up now and just, whoever wants to go first, go first and just, just share your one, maybe it's one, maybe it's two things, just very quickly, um, that stood out for you. Maybe it's your key takeaway. I'll grab a mic. We can grab a mic. Yep. Go on then. Um, and then we're just going to finish by putting it out to you, not expecting anyone to speak necessarily, but just want to put it, put it out as a challenge and an invitation to, to press into this theme as well. So, you want to start, Wendy? What what stood out for you? What 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 was the take home for you? Um, the biggest take home for me, actually, whether it was the study part or as we were talking, but I guess particularly in the in the preparation part, was the whole prayer aspect of mm-hmm. priesthood and that whole representing to God. And for me, it was not so much that oh golly, maybe we should be praying. Um, I would like to think that there are some of us who do, but no matter where we start, um, just that in, a huge, huge encouragement to ramp it up a bit, mm. take it up the next notch, mm. um, spread it wider, mm. go deeper. Mm. Um, God is, he, he wants us to partner with him. He desires, that's why we're here, is to be in this partnership with him. And how can we partner with him if we're not even speaking together? Yeah. Um, and he, his, his desire is for us to represent to him 
so that his power can then flow forth. Mm. And we're, we're, I mean, I think probably every generation says we're coming into an age, <laughs> you know, things are ramping up, yeah. but they are so ramping up, um, and we need to ramp up with it. And for that, no matter where you are, please can I encourage you, we need to stand in that gap. Mm. That's what he calls us to do, is to stand in the gap. Mm. And we need to be brave enough to do it. Mm. Start small, wherever you start. Doesn't matter, mm. just start. And if you're already started, start more. <laughs> yeah. So it's one of those things for, for some of us, who, for some of you who, who've been in ministries and serving in lots of different ways in the past, but now feel like, oh, I can't do that anymore. This is one of the big ways that you can live out your role, that we can live out our, our role as priests. So don't diminish or play down the importance of prayer. And it's, it's always so encouraging to hear someone come and say to me, oh, we, we pray for you, or we're praying for so-and-so, um, because there's huge power, isn't there? Absolutely. In, in, in and just even with the, um, the music this morning and just the praise, mm. it's not always about asking. Mm. Um, I do teach my kids at school. We don't treat God like Santa Claus. <laughs> Um, and so, you know, the praise and the thanksgiving, and mm. it's, it's all just so, so much yeah. more powerful than the words necessarily that we speak. Awesome. Um, and, yeah, and we need to, yeah, we just need awesome. to do it more. Cool. So, yeah, we'll pass on the mic to Vaughan. And, and part of this, we've been talking already about how do we actually action this? And that's a process that we're, um, we're still working out, fleshing out. And that's why we want to invite you to, to feed into that and to be a part of that journey as we explore what this looks like. Yeah, Vaughan, thank you. Yeah, uh, the reason why I uh, went to this, um, not only because I'm an elder, but I feel that the God is saying uh, to me and um, therefore to the eldership and hopefully also to the church that we're just in this time where God is giving us a, a chance to have a look forward and um, see what his heart is and the emphasis which he wants to um, have. For us um, in this church, I am um, a person who sometimes sees uh, the world as a whole heap of jigsaw puzzle pieces, and even uh, you know the Bible sometimes. And and you get you know how you you get on a whole heap of um, the sea pieces and uh, or the sky pieces, and you're trying to fit them all together and everything like that. And you're <laughs> really excited when you get a few which come together, and and you might start with uh, bits and pieces where the, you, you go, well, maybe this is the picture. You don't actually have the box, so you you don't necessarily have the overall what it looks like, and you you put them, put those pieces together, and and so um, when I uh, looked at uh, and heard from the hearts of these guys here and, and uh, what the Bible was saying and how God had put this this idea in every single book and, and quite frequently in uh, every second or third page of the Bible that this was his idea and, and he was asking me to make this an emphasis in my life and, and maybe listening to these guys it was an emphasis in our lives and, and then if we go further and present this to you and you say, hey, yes, I can confirm that this is an emphasis for this church, that we're fitting into his plan, which he established right from the beginning. Mm. And that, that just yeah makes, makes it feel like uh, this little life of mine fits into something which mm. God has already well and truly established and planned beforehand. Hmm. Um, yeah, okay. so that, 
that's what so we've got was really, really good for me. We've got something quite specific over here, and then we've got a more a bigger existential, this is who we are and how I fit into it type of idea that, yeah. that you're feeling. Yeah, awesome. Al. Yeah, it, it helped me with a um, kind of things I've personally been reflecting on, um, and one is the, the, the personal call of, of Christ on my life. And I think those analogies of the Holy of Holies, I, I sort of realised that, that picture of, of the um, Eden, of walking with God, um, of the royal priesthood, um, in the Holy of Holies, that the Holy of Holies for the born-again Christians in here. And the priority for me is I have to live this life in here, the hidden life with Christ. Out of that will come um, strength to and power to um, deal with um, issues in, in the outer life. Um, I was thinking too of um, God's call constantly through the Bible um, to, to come to his rest, the invi- invitation to come to his place of rest. And for us, as born-again Christians, that place of rest is he's appointed within us. And that's the place where we're to go and to commune with him. So that was the thing that confirmed to me that that um, priority, first priority is that personal call and that um, responding within here. And there are things we can do to declutter, to allow the Holy Spirit to work through us and to empower us. The other thing I started thinking is about um, our our community. And when um, we're wanting to build something, aren't we? We're always talking about building, but sometimes we've got to strip away before we we build. Um, I was just sitting down there before, just alongside brothers and sisters, and one of the things I really appreciate is hearing the voice of people praising. It does something to me. And I, I, I'm thinking um, just to remind people that um, when I'm beside you and hear you praising, it does something to me. I receive something from that. I think there's um, a coming together that the Lord is requiring of us. There's a purpose in it. There's something more than just... Um, you know, joining in song. There's something deeper that he wants to express through each of us, and each of us is required. You know, we need you here. I think that's what I'm saying. And the other thing is to remember what a, a, an incredible, diverse community a, um, a, a faith community is. And if anything, if we can make it more diverse, <laughs> we get a wider picture from all mm. the different experiences you people have. You mm. know, I need to hear your voice, mm. I need to hear your testimonies. I need to hear your praise. It does something to my soul. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Al. So we've got, you know, you're, you're very passionate about this first one, the personal call, our, our inner life with God. That's awesome. And, and then, then you're picking up that idea as we, as we worship, as we gather together here and in small groups through the week, we're actually in, inspiring each other. It's like the image for me is like coals in a fire that together keep it warm and keep the fire going. We, it's inspiring when you hear someone else Worshipping and speaking, um, yeah, about their faith and so on. So there's lots of and lots and lots that that we could draw out of here, and that's why we felt let's spend the first few weeks at least trying to tease this out 
together. And again, we really just really want to invite your input and your ideas and to share with all of us what you're seeing and what you're hearing as we, as we do that. So thank you, you two, you three, um, all of you. <laughs> told you I was frazzled. Um, that's all right. I make mistakes so that everyone else feels comfortable um, to get up here and make some mistakes too. So I want to finish very quickly by just issuing that challenge to um, to Presentist theme and secondly, an invitation if you haven't before to embrace your your true identity as a human being. You don't need to make that identity by being successful at school or, or in work or something else, uh, by work or anything like that, but you, that, that is who you are, is who God made you to be um, before you were even born, that, that you have been made to reflect something beautiful, something creative, something incredible about God, and we, we need to practice looking for that in each, each of us who are here, who are sitting beside and gathered with um, here today. So let's finish with that, um, and let's pray. And as I pray, I'm going to start by reading the words of 1 Peter chapter 2, which goes like this. Um, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you, this is what I want us to hear the most, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. A holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles in this land to abstain from sin, to wage war, that the sins that wage war against our souls, but instead live such good lives among the pagans, among those, our neighbors, our friends at school, at work, live such good lives that, they, that even though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he comes. Dear Lord Jesus, we turn to you, the royal priest, the great royal priest, and we, we, we surrender ourselves to you. We turn from our sin. We turn from those things that have held us back from representing you. And we come to you, Lord, at the beginning of the year, and we, we ask you, 
Would you lead us? Would you shape us and would you transform us into your image so that we might reflect that image into the, to each other and into the world to bring you glory alone? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.